Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Simon and Dave, how are we chaps? Yeah, good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, very well, very well. And Dave? I feel far better than you sound, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I apologise to everybody for my dulcet tones. I am choked with the cold, but we will trudging on. Um, well, gentlemen, you've both got the, the week off with the Friday night being postponed um, COVID issues. Um, but is that the first time this season this has had to happen to a game? I think it's the first time since the restart that uh, that any Premier League game's been called off. I, th- yeah. I think that's a that's a credit to the league itself and all the teams. Obviously, it was it was inevitable that it was going to happen at some stage. I think it was inevitable it was going to be Newcastle where it would happen. Everything <laughs> 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 can go wrong, Dave. I know. Well, this this weekend's well, this weekend Cummins game against West Brom is is currently in doubt as well because. Uh, Somehow, despite closing down the training ground and stuff, the cases are still rising amongst the squad. So, reading that, what you will. Well, I, I think to be fair, the it's not so much the problem of the cases rising. It's the fact that I think with the training ground being closed, and obviously, if you if you can't train, I, I think that's fair enough to postpone a game because you've not been able to prepare for it. So, I can understand I that. Think it, I honestly think it would benefit us to not train. Like the less, <laughs> the, the less time they spend with Bruce, the better, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you can't go, go out and play their own game. <laughs> Dave's hoping for a West Ham situation where the manager gets <laughs> and isolates himself from the team for a few weeks. Well, I mean, it can't hurt, can it? <laughs> Turned West Ham season around. It did. Huh? Oh. Anyway, shall we, shall we start with the... the I was going to say the real football, then I realised the early kickoff. Um, <laughs> Dave's favourite team, Burnley, um, at home to Everton, one all. Um, uh, Robbie Brady, early goal, and then Calvert Lewin just on the stroke of half time uh, with, with an equaliser. Um, I watched this game for my for my sins on Saturday. Um, I, I'm not sure what to make of either team. Um, did, you didn't see it, Simon. You said pre-pod. Did you watch it? Uh, I was in and out of it. Um, as you know, I don't exactly relish watching Burnley the best times. <laughs> yeah. so. um, no, I kind of agree with you in that it wasn't. It wasn't much to really draw on this. Like, you know, what you're going to get from Burnley, as we we thought about, and Everton just kind of flattened to deceive a bit at the minute. They don't seem to be in their um, their full stride. Uh, whether it's 
I don't think he can decide on the system because he's obviously missing well, both fullbacks who were pretty much integral to yeah. the way they were playing. Um, my new thing is reading um, reading Twitter when when teams get announced because it's fun to see fans of other teams being upset. <laughs> and um, at the minute, Everton uh, Everton fans seem to be particularly furious because they've got a, a young I think it's young a young fullback called Unkuku or I, can't, I probably shouldn't pronounce it. I don't know what it's how you say it, but. He seems to be their natural left back, but he isn't anywhere near. He's not even in the eighteen. And uh, Ancelotti apparently said on in, in the press conference, "Oh, you know, he's going to play this time. He just didn't play last week because of whatever reason. But he'll be in the team this week again. Wasn't in the eighteen. And all these Everton fans go wild about it because, well, unsurprisingly, when Fabian Delft the replacement, they're obviously quite upset about it. Um, so he seems to be the player of the week. But uh, they're opting to play. Pretty much anybody else there. I think um, young Godfrey from, from Norwich ended up playing at left back once Dolph went off, and it will be played at right back. So I mean, what what hope has any young fullback got when those two are essentially ahead of you in the pecking order? <laughs> I I actually thought Everton would start with Delph, but I actually thought they would play more four at the back because Delph Delph was okay there for City at left back. You know, he was he was adequate cover. Um, obviously, you think, I know nothing about. Do you think? Do you think they've changed it to to get Rodriguez less defensive responsibility and essentially play him as part of that, that three? And it's like a three four three slash, you know, five two three when, when you haven't got the ball. Yes, I think I think we all know about Rodriguez or we have the what's the word? You know, we have assumptions of Rodriguez of what type of player he is, that he's like one of those specialists that you kinda want to be only really on the ball going forward, like as little defensive duties as possible. And I think they've probably looked at a lot of the other, well, not really, because I was going to say they maybe look at the other big clubs to see it, but I mean, you look at Liverpool's front three, even Spurs now, we came like they all work hard. Whereas, like, none of them, the only luxury player in the, I was going to say the top six is Arsenal's one who doesn't get registered, but <laughs> Arsenal top six is, is, is a stretch nowadays. But that's, yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. And it's the only reason I can think they would have changed to the back three just to try and. Because there's Jarlison, without watching them week in, week out, I, I don't know how much depends on what Jarlison does as well. Well, I mean, we I think we can safely say he's the. The talisman for them, isn't he? Like when he wasn't there, yeah. they, were, they were utterly terrible. Um, and they are, you know, marginally better when he is there. Um, and he obviously set up the goal for Calvert Lewin here, and he is a nuisance, isn't he? Like you, you can't deny that he's uh, he's a good player, but they've got so many. Like you know, we talk about Rodriguez there, and you know, Andre Gomez, Sigurdsson. They're all players who are meant to be you know, quite sort of flary types, but they can't seem to find a formation to suit them at the minute. It's like, they're, it's like they're still struggling from the, you know, the, too many players for certain positions, but they're missing more specialists. Um, obviously, it doesn't help having the full, but like, like, a bit like Liverpool, their right back seems to be their most important player in Digne. Um, is he even right back? Anyway, he, but he's a left he's back, the, but it's the same. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah so everything goes through him. You know, his, his crossing ability might be one of the best in the league. Um like Alan and Decoury are both great midfielders, but I don't think any of them are really a creative attacking force. You know, quite just keep the ball, basic passing. Um, and, and I think this is where the breakdown for Everton is. I think they obviously hope Hamez to be that link um, between Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin, really. But 
uh, as you say, Dave, he's, he's more like that nine and a half, you know, playing right off Calvert-Lewin where he doesn't do much else. Uh, it's, um, as you say, like, we're kind of, the more we know about Everton, the less we find out. Like, the, I feel like the, they've gone backwards a little bit. Um, and whether it's just the fixtures got a little bit harder than the start of the season or not, I'm, I'm not too sure. But uh, they're um, sort of in flux a bit at the minute, aren't they? It's a shame. It really is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Simon, I know you, you didn't get to see much of this, but what did you do? Any, any different opinions on me and Dave's? Um, no, not really. Just with Everton, you kind of think they obviously they had the great starts this season, won the first four games, but they've only won one match since then, and that was against Fulham. And even then, they they kind of made harder work of that than than they should have done. So, um, you kind of I don't know. Did did we all just get a bit too carried away with Everton's start? And you look at you know Rodriguez, obviously a big name, and he. Played very well in those first sort of four games, but I mean, I I don't know. I, this may just be lazy speculation, but I don't remember Rodriguez doing an awful lot since those first four games. And I seem to remember Dave. You said I think in one of the earlier pods this season. Wait till December when the weather gets a bit colder. Yes, <laughs> and like you kind of you know is is that actually happening now? Is as he sort of. I, I, I don't know. I, I think Everton, you start the season, we kind of, as you say, I, I think maybe we all just got a bit too carried away because one win in the last six games, as I say, that was against Fulham. It's, it's, it's not great, is it? It's definitely not. I, I can safely say I never got carried away with it. Definitely wasn't on You definitely didn't. Gents, I'll have to excuse for one minute while I put my son back in his cot, but uh, just carry on. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Simon, on Rodriguez, like obviously Dave mentioned the weather, um, yeah. which is obviously the the general stereotype on South Americans and yeah. such. But isn't doesn't Rodriguez have this reputation from any club that he goes to, whereas he he starts off, you know, like on fire, and yeah, kind of just peters off, and then he's he like flickers in and out of games because he hasn't really established himself. But I mean, I don't know where he was before Madrid. Um, but he never really established himself there. Same at Bayern Munich. You know, he, he had moments, he had games where he was outstanding. And obviously, we've seen him in the World Cup. Yeah. First book on the scene. But he's never really hit that consistency every game. So is this just, maybe just the type of player he is? You know, he... he yeah, he's got the ability, but, you know, this is wasted without consistency in a way, really, isn't it? You know, and... and it's no good having two or three outstanding games and then you're anonymous for the next dozen. I, I do think it's important for a team like Everton to have a player like that. Oh, yeah. If they uh, want, certainly if they want aspirations of moving up the table. Yeah, because, I mean, if you could get 10 players who are consistently performing um, and then you had that one luxury player, I think you could get away with that. But unfortunately, the other players don't live up to that same standard week in, week out either. So I think also yeah. yes, we're we're isolating Hammers here, but apart from Calvert Lewin, who generally isn't like involved in a lot of the play as such, mm. you know, he's he's a very good goal scorer this season. Um, apart from Richarlison, there's there's no one in that team you would say is consistent. I mean, I, I Adam speaks very highly on Alan 
and says he's basically the most important player without watching them for 90 minutes every game, I, I genuinely couldn't tell you mm. my opinion on that. But that's where I feel like let Everton down. I mean, I, I, I berate Pickford constantly. Um, and, and, but he made a very good one-on-one saviour. But he's also the, the sort of keeper who then, if you just pass it back to him, he'll do five <laughs> keepy-ups and kick it in his own goal type. Yeah. And, and I think that goes, um, that becomes Everton's issue here. Not so much the Hammers thing. Just to give Hammers a bit of a Reprieve here. I mean, am I wrong or? No, I, I mean, I'd agree. I mean, I, I, I wasn't trying to like, you know, blame it all on Hammers. I just thought it was an, in, it was an interesting thing that the fact that he had such a good start to the season was it inevitable that he wouldn't be able to keep it up, or is it, you know, is there something else behind it? I think kind of you've touched on the good point there, and that he kind of he hasn't really, he's got that reputation. But then I, I agree. Yeah, if you look at. The rest of the squads, apart from Calvert Lewin, has ever has anyone else been as consistent? You know, uh, all seasons. Maybe that's that's why they're finding themselves in mid-table because they're doing it every now and again. Yeah, I, I guess like Everton. It sounds horrible when I say it, but Everton realistically are a top half club, obviously, but around that mid, you know, that ninth, tenth, eighth, ninth, tenth place. Yeah. So maybe, as you say, we got a bit carried away with the start they had. Whereas realistically, this is their their average points total between start of the season and now is it's probably about right for them. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. And we we do have Dave back. Um, Dave, anything you add on the the Richarlison Everton thing, or shall we shall we move on to the the latter kickoff? No, I think you've you've both nailed it there. Um, it's it's kind of the start of two halves so far for them, and I guess we'll find out the real Everton over the next four or five weeks. When, uh, as we always say, the fixtures get thick and fast, and you kind of find out more about teams, don't you? And Chelsea's up next for them, so. No. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that should be an interesting one for them. Um, well, speaking of um, teams whose form is up and down, uh, Man City. It was only 2 0. I mean, it was against Fulham, but it was a very comfortable win. Um, Sterling with a well taken goal, um, opened the scoring, and then Kevin De Bruyne with an absolute disgraceful penalty for me. I'm not, I'm not even going to mince it. This is maybe the worst penalty decision I've seen in, in a long time. Um, Simon, I'll let you give your thoughts on this game first. Um, well, I mean, again, I, I didn't really see too much of the game, obviously. Uh, watch a match of the day. The only surprise for me was that City only scored two. Um, looking at the the highlights, they could have had more. Uh, regarding the penalty, for me, the way I sort of grew up playing football and watching football, that's never a penalty in a million years. But I'm not surprised that it wasn't turns that it wasn't overturned just purely because of uh, the majority of penalty decisions that you, you see get given this season now, it seems to be, for some, I don't know where it, if this has come in, but it seems to be the rule is now, if you make even the slightest bit of contact and the player goes down, a penalty is going to be given. Um, I don't agree with it, but that just seems to be how it is nowadays, unfortunately. Uh, Dave, um, I'm, I'm all for if there's contact and there's a foul, 
penalty, fine. I, I, I was the first to hold my hands up on the, the Brighton one given against Liverpool last week. You know, Robertson swung, barely contacted him, but there's been contact. So penalty, more than fine. There's not enough contact out there to be a foul. Surely. No, it seemed very soft to me, but I was surprised how little you know people made of it at the time. Um, and it begs the question of you know what are they actually checking here? Because obviously all these things get checked by VAR, but there was there was barely any contact. Was there? It was uh, very very soft to say the least. But I, you ask, what are they checking? I think all they're checking for is if they're contact. If there's contact, I don't even think they're checking to see if it's enough contact to be a foul, they're literally saying, has he touched him? Yes, so we'll give the penalty. If he hasn't touched him, then we'll say it's a dive. But they seem to be, it seems to be the bar has just been set so low that it seems to be now, it's just, is there contact and it's going to be a penalty? To so say, I agree with you two, it's not a foul for me, but it just seems to be what's happening now. I mean, I, I watched the video over and over again. Every, every replay I can see, I, I can't, Without, with with certainty, no, there's actual contact. It's it's that minimal. Yeah. Um, I, I was, like as Dave pointed out, like I can't believe there's been nothing made of this, but well, I can because it's an English player. Um, it's, yeah. The the outrage, um, had, in fact, not even an English player. I'll take that back. If Jack Pulis does that, because the space doesn't fit, then there's there's outrage there. Um, it's just a shambles. It's just it's atrocious. Um, as you said, Simon, I think the biggest surprise here was Manchester City only scored two. Um, completely in control. Um, I think they had sixteen shots in in, in total. Seventy um, percent possession. Um, I mean, Fulham wouldn't have expected to get anything out of this game anyway. Um, but I mean, Dave. I mean, we mentioned this last week about Man City winning 5 0, but it's kind of part and parcel. Are City slowly finding their way back, or again, is it just they found themselves against that right team? I mean, they've got Man United next week, so it might be more of a test, but again, I mean, what do we need of it, basically, is what I'm asking. Yeah, well, I think we all expect them to take six points from these two home games. It was never, you know, too much, uh, too much doubt about that. But, um, I think, as we also alluded to last week, week before, that their fixed list is starting to clear a little bit. Obviously, take my night out of the equation. Three of their next four games at the time was these two that just had Monday night, and they've got West Brom at home, Southampton away, Newcastle at home. And I think we decided that by the end of December, they're going to be right back in that title race. Um, I think we were probably a little bit premature in writing them off just because, well, they were nowhere near, were they? But they also have a game in hand. Um, which, if they win that again, they're, they're you know they're, they're right in the in the mix again. Um, and I think I think we've always said that playing this Champions League, later Premier League, three days apart, it has had an effect on teams. Um, I think obviously some of it's been injuries, some of it's just been the mentality of it. Um, and I think now that Man City are kind of out of that and they've got qualified with two games to spare, they can now really focus on the on the the points tally in the league and. I, I, I think they'll win. They'll, they'll probably beat Man United at the weekend because it's at Old Trafford, um, which <laughs> is actually bad for Man United. Um, and then they've got you know West Brom, who they'll, they'll probably smash to, smash, smash to pieces. 
Um, they'll smash us to pieces and, well, Southampton away, they'll win, but it's probably a bit of a tougher game. But they're the type of team who, when they get going, they, they can easily string together six, seven, eight wins. And as you saw on Saturday, they didn't really have to get out of, out of even first gear. They, people were waxing over with Kevin De Bruyne. He had a fairly quiet match. He, he just happened to score a penalty and, and put one on play for Sterling. He, he didn't have to do an awful lot else. None of them did, really. It was... Um, very, very easy. No, that's fair. Um, I think the, I think next Saturday is the big game um, for City. I mean, as you say, with the fixtures that they had, and they can get past United. Um, even they can even afford to draw to Southampton because um, I think Southampton will take points off many teams, you know, and they'll be sitting sitting good. I mean, Liverpool have Spurs in two weeks' time. Um, actually, a week's time technically, a week, a week and a half. So it's on the Wednesday night game. Um, so that's where I mean, if they win their game in hand, they beat Man United. They're only three points behind prior to that game. So whoever drops points there is then level points with City if they've won their games. So yeah, I mean, writing them off might seem a bit silly, but it all depends on if they can get stay up to speed when they start playing the the topper echelon of the league again. Yeah, well, that's, that's what it comes down to, isn't it? They're, uh, you'd expect them to beat the majority of teams, certainly at home, and you know, probably away. But I don't know. Like, I think Pep's kind of starting to beat himself a little bit in these in these big games. I think he's starting to second guess kind of what what they're good at, and I think he needs to kind of get past that in order to uh, to take Man City back to the very top. He kind of needs that Arsenal being a stubbornness. You know, where he refuses to change his tactics sort of thing. Um, because that's when City are at their best. Every time they, especially against Liverpool, every time they tinkered, you know, you try to be clever, that, that, that's when Liverpool battered them. The, the games where City were just City, they tended to batter us. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, he's obviously earned the right to do what he wants to do because he's... He's got his own style of play, and he's definitely influenced English football, whether we like it or not. But I think he gets to the point now where he's kind of tripped himself over with how much he rotates and what he changes in in bigger matches. Um, and you look at the sort of they've, got, they've gone back to basics these last couple of weeks and played the best team in the Premier League. I know we've talked about why that is, and they've won quite easily on both occasions. Now he hasn't played a false nine, and he hasn't done you know daft things like Fernandinho's no longer playing at centre-back and I think they're better for it um, which you know, should go without saying but it's uh, it's amazing how, how confused they've got from where they were Yeah, not all good defensive midfielders can play centre-half <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Simon, what, I mean, thoughts on City before we move off on because um, we, do, we do repeat the same stuff, I guess Yeah, no, I kind of agree with what you guys are saying there. I think probably for the bigger games, like against, you know, your sort of Liverpool, Tottenham's, uh, Man City, Chelsea, uh, Man U, Chelsea, I think what they need probably is a fully fit Sergio Aguero playing up front. Um, I think that's, you know, Jesus is fine against Burnley and Fulham, but in those big tight games where you, you may only get one or two, you know, proper chances, a, a fully fit Aguero, can make all the difference. 
Yeah, I think we all need that, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a fair shot. I think Aguero's massive for them. Um, I mean, the interesting thing for City, forgetting about this season, is just generally, like, the, the players who made City, you know, the companies, the Silvas, um, and Aguero's one of them. And obviously, Aguero's the last one now. Um, it's about starting replacing them and, and hanging out. And that's where I feel they're struggling. And that's where mm. Pep struggled because, I mean, who's the leaders in the team now? You know, from the companies, the Yayas, the, the David Silva, the, I mean, Aguero was kind of, we, we always assumed that he was kind of on the, the fringes with the, the Pep-like love. So, I mean, it, it would certainly be interesting. Um, yeah. I think they'll, I mean, as, like, as Dave said, like, as they win the game in hand, they're in the top four, they're three points off the top. Um, and just a couple of weeks ago, we were writing them off in the title race, really. That, that game in hand is against us, though, so there's no guarantee they're getting three points there. <laughs> oh, dear. Listen to this. Scraped relegation <laughs> last year. Now, now he decides the title this season. <laughs> <laughs> that'll batter us. <laughs> well, um, anyway, yeah. mo- mo- moving on. We have uh, West Ham United losing 3-1 at home. Um, Manchester United's away results is just incredible. Um I, I think Paul Pogba assumed he was still playing for Juventus in that kit um, because he pulled out an absolute <laughs> worldie in this game. Um, and then Mason Greenwood and Rashford were the goals to, to seal the victory. Um, so, I mean, Simon, did you see much of this? I did, yeah. Yeah, what, first game of the weekend, I watched this one and uh, I quite enjoyed it, actually. I'd, West Ham, I thought, in the first half, outstanding. Um, yeah. And... I think United, and even to be fair, the start of the second half, um, West Ham uh, had uh, one or two like pretty decent chances. I think had they gone two 0 up, I'm not sure if United would have turned it around because West Ham. It wasn't like Southampton last week where Man U were at least in, still in that game. West Ham were all over them, I thought. Um, but you kind of, as, as you say, their waveform. It's, it's kind of. It's sort of unbelievable when when you watch them at home and compare it to the away form, and especially the fact they've gone behind in every away game this season and gone on to win them all. You kind of you, you almost have to sort of begrudgingly admire the um, the, the character to, to come back from those and the goals as well they scored. I mean, the Pogba one, forget the VAR controversy, you know, put that to one side. The finish itself. As you say, no. Where, where's that been for the last four or five years? Because that was ridiculous. And then Mason Greenwood's goal, I thought, was outstanding as well. But that that touch to get away from the uh, from Ogbonna, I think it was lovely finish into the bottom corner. And, and even Rashford's goal at the end, I thought, it was a great. You know, three brilliant goals. But I think West Ham, they'll be kicking themselves that that they haven't taken anything from this game because I, I thought for good. 55, 60 minutes, I thought they were outstanding. I can't believe I forgot to mention that. Yeah, hard decision. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, Dave, uh, thoughts on this game? Uh, well, yeah, it was, I mean, Man United with Fernandes versus Man United without Fernandes, it's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> how, how much better he makes them. Um, they could have won by more. From just the second half alone, if, you know, I know Rashford took his, his goal well in the end, but he missed a, a glorious chance before that as well, and Fernandez put him in. Um, 
It's, um, I mean, firstly, I mean, yes, I suppose the clearance blatantly went out of play. I think that's probably fair to say. But I think that det- detracts from the fact that Man United would have won anyway. I, I, I do think. And I, I know it's easy to say that in hindsight, but I, I just think they were so much better than them in the second half. Um, they would have scored one way or another. You can't tell me that West Ham team would have kept them out for, um, you know, a whole half. That, that's that's fair in general, but again, it's easy to say that now that we've seen the the result. I mean, we we've seen teams like West Ham, Burnley, for example, keeping teams out who have battered them for ninety minutes, um, and the whole reason, obviously, technology came in was for you know decisions like this <laughs> to be very clear cut and easy to make. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I mean, you mentioned Dave they're at home next week to say, and it's that one. How how much difference their form is home and away. Um, and even you mentioned Fernandez. Fernandez might be one of the best midfielders in the league. He's he's he gets a lot of stick, especially from me, just for the amount of penalties they take. Um, but obviously that's nothing to do with him and his his overall play. Is is phenomenal. I mean, that maybe one of the best signings United have made. Just just on how important he's been the last year. Ironically, I think the amount of penalties he takes now is working against him because goalkeepers have got so much homework they can do on him. They can they can spot how he's going to you know probably from the way he runs up they can see where he's going to put it. And he's he's missed a few now and he's got a bit lucky that some of them you know the keepers been like off the line slightly or they've been retaken or yeah. Whatever else, but um, that's kind of by the by. I think the chance he created is ridiculous. I think I can only assume he's so much better away from home, and the whole team's better away from home because generally the home team will be on the front foot, they'll be pushed up a bit, and you leave any sort of space in behind. And Fernandez is going to find Rashford or Greenwood or Martial or you know whoever um, is going to run in behind, and that's all it was here. You know, West Ham were defending a little bit high up against. Pace and it was just a disaster waiting to happen. So no, that's fair. But I mean, another three points for for United, um, and that takes them up to six in the table. Um, again, a game in hand, um, and puts them and they win that and they jump up to third. Uh, and they'll leap forward. The team who played next a three-one home win for Chelsea against Leeds United. Um, Patrick Bamford again, Simon. Unfortunately, you didn't want to hear. Um, yeah. Very well taken <laughs> goal. Um, and then Giroud, Zuma, and Pulisic um, securing the win for Chelsea. I, I did think this is one of the best performances Chelsea have managed to put in this season. Um, I think Werner looks a really good player. I don't think he'll get them the goals they maybe hoped. I think he misses a lot of easy chances. Um, but his overall play and his assist play is phenomenal. I mean, Dave, what was your? What did you make of this game? Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, I think the good thing about Leeds is that they play the same way against every team, whether they are, you know, Chelsea or whether it's West Brom. They just play their way, and it's it's very fun to watch. Um, I think unfortunately they will get results like this against the bigger teams, where they kind of come out as being like sort of the valiant losers. Um, because they played their part in this, but as you say, against the likes of Werner, they're always open to a counter-attack on the... Um, I've been disappointed with Timo Werner, to be honest, because he... 
he was sold to me as being this sort of lethal striker who, you know, one chance, one goal. He misses an awful lot for a striker yeah. like that. And I mean, you know, it's given him his credit, I suppose, the keeper makes quite a few saves from him, but he, he's, he's given him the chance to make the save. Um, maybe I'm being harsh, but he hasn't been as good or as lethal, I should say, as I thought it was going to be. But having said that, his pace terrifies teams and he's so direct when he gets the ball. If he's cutting in from either side, he's just he's going to get that shot away one way or another. Yeah, I, I mean, this sounds biased and it's easy for me to say, but I genuinely do believe Liverpool would have seen better out of him because he wouldn't have been so reliant on him, if that makes sense. You know, he wouldn't have needed to be the, the man which Chelsea were trying to play him as at the start. And I think that's why he's came in. I think he's been much better in the past three, four games. We're having like Tammy Giroud played at the weekend. Um, you know, let him play wide and let him. I mean, he's always going to miss chances. He's not that lethal, you know, Harry Kane esque number nine. Um, but I, I'm the opposite. I've been much more impressed in the last, you know, three, four weeks with him. Um, than I had been. I mean, I mean, Simon, thoughts on this game and and how's your bet looking? Where, where I had him on this one now. Uh, well, um, the game itself, um, like Dave said, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really, really good, entertaining game to watch. Um, and you know, again, kind of what you're saying. I think at virtually every game with Leeds you watch, it's going to be entertaining just purely because of the way that they, they play. But Chelsea. Um, I think they they look like real, real proper title contenders. I think now, um, and I kind of think I think we've got to. And I, I really don't want to do this, but I think Lampard does deserve some credit because you know you, you, we criticise them when when things are going wrong defensively, but the last you know few sort of six seven weeks. They not only do they look good going forward, but they look pretty solid at the back as well. They seem, they seem to have, um, you know, really organised things back there. Zuma, I think, is having a really good season, which I didn't expect. I, I didn't think he was, he was anywhere near the level uh, required to play for Chelsea, but he's looking pretty good this season. Um, regarding the bet, I'm still confident that, that Watkins will come good for me. Um, but that, that may just be blind optimism more than Tell, anything else at this stage. Tell, I didn't expect Bamford v Watkins to be so competitive. I, I thought it would be like a like a four-all draw, but it's, it's both, they're both heading for double figures at the minute. So. Yeah, <laughs> and to be fair to him as well, the goal, the Leeds goal was really good. That pass from Phillips, I thought, was outstanding. Mm. Really, really, really like, good. And then Bamford, I didn't think he would have the composure to just sort of dink it around the keeper like that and then finish it off as well. So, begrudgingly, fair play to him. To be fair, if Leeds had this Bamford in the Championship, they would have won it with about 10 games to spare. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where this has come from. <laughs> yeah, Ross is thinking the same. <laughs> um, I mean, you mentioned Chelsea as title contender. For me personally... I still don't. Well, you know what? I'm not going to say that I don't see it. I'm going to wait and see until they start playing higher teams again. Because every time they've come up against a team this season, they've struggled. I think, as you say, I mean, if you look at the three of the next four Everton away, Wolves away, Arsenal away, those are the kind of games where 
they probably traditionally have come a bit unstuck, certainly in, in recent years. Um, you think last year was it Duncan Ferguson was Evans manager when I think you know Calvert Lewin go turned them over. Um, that's the you know that's the type of battle they've got to turn around. Um, I think Evan kind of rough, roughed them a bit last year with a bit of you know physicality and getting the ball in the box. And as you say, Chelsea had a bit of a soft centre, but Zuma seems to have upped his game. And I think down to Thiago Silva organising. Uh, yeah, definitely. Helped, obviously helped a lot. And I wanted to get both your thoughts on Mendy, the goalkeeper, because I took a bit of a beating in the WhatsApp chat on Saturday night because I said he was actually not that good. He just he didn't really make many saves. I've never gone, oh, Christ, that's a great save. He's just, he seems to calm out those, he seems to be calmer influence than, than Kepa. But I've never, yeah. I've, I've not seen anything so far that makes us think he's actually any good. He's just better than Kepa. He's just, he's just not Kepa. It's not <laughs> that he's even better than Kepa. Because I still don't believe Kepa's a bad goalkeeper. He's just not Kepa. I, I remember when Liverpool had Magdalene in goal. And we literally wanted Brad Jones to play in goal just because he wasn't Mignolet. You know, so defenders would look behind him and think, oh, that's all right. Because, yeah, I agree with you, Dave. I don't, I don't think he's, he's anything special. I don't think he's... I think he's a good goalkeeper, put it that way. He's just a good goalkeeper. Um, but any team at that level should have a good goalkeeper at the bare minimum. Um... Um, as he would put it this way, would he start for Liverpool, City, United? I'd say Arsenal, but I'm not really a fan of Leno either. Um, even Leicester, um, Tottenham, Miller, Simon, yeah. Tottenham. Yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, I, re- I like your keeper, Dave. Um, I like Leeds' keeper. Is, is he a, a massive improvement on any of those keepers? I just think he's a good keeper. Well, I the, short, really... well, the short answer is I don't know yet. Is the thing like I, I, yeah. I, I've, I've just haven't. He hasn't had that game where I've gone cry. You know, that, without him they'd have lost that, or without him they'd have drawn. You know, whatever. Like he hasn't. Yeah. And whether he hasn't had the opportunity to show that yet, or not, I don't know. But um, I guess you know, we might find out in in the Champions League before we find out in the league, because just the way yeah, the pictures go. But I mean, that's fair, isn't it? Because you kind of it'll be that game where Chelsea come on stuck going forward, and you, you need your keeper to make that one save. To secure a one 0 win, um, those are the those are the moments. I mean, I didn't think the goal that Leeds scored yesterday, uh, Saturday. Sorry, I apologise. Um, was was a mistake, whereas Ryan was convinced that it was a goalkeeper's fault. It was an awful one for him because it was right between sort of the the defence and it went to the definition of a good pass, wasn't it? It totally intersected mm. yeah. the defence and the keeper, and he had to make a choice in a split second. I think either way they'd have conceded. The, the mistake was that the, the ball was allowed to go in behind them, and that was from from there. It's it's always in the striker's favour, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. If if he stays on his line there, and Bamford then just runs through completely on the post and slots it past him, everyone's saying, "Why the fuck didn't he come out there?" So yeah, that's <laughs> what, that that was my thoughts on it. Yeah, but I just find it strange that Brian, who's normally the quite calm one, um, <laughs> the Chelsea fan base. Was quick to criticise um, the keeper there, um, but yeah, what we want from Real Chelsea are doing better than better than my expectations sitting in front at the moment. Um, a team who are matching all our expectations. Um, West Brom, absolute annihilated. Um, <laughs> when Christian Benteke scores two goals against you, is it time just to concede the league and and leave? 
<laughs> Five one Crystal Palace, Simon. Um, take it away. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I mean, let's be honest. I I loved Benteke when he was at Villa, and, and to be fair, he was great when he was at Villa. It's kind of sad to see what's happened to him now. But yeah, if he if he's putting two away against you, and especially that second one, if he feel confident enough to take it on the turn with his back to goal and strike it with his left foot into the bottom corner. You may as well just give up. But having said that, I actually thought I, I thought it was a decent game up until the sending off, and I thought West Brom were playing quite well. Um, but then the red card it just it, I mean it did completely change the game. I personally, as much as I hate West Brom, I don't think that was a red card at all. I thought that was such a harsh decision. Um, and then once Palace went 2-1 up, that, that was pretty much game over. And West Brom's defence is that bad. It, it was no surprise that they went on to concede a few more. Yeah, that's a fair analyst. Dave, I mean, thoughts on the red card and, no, and the game itself? It's a nonsense red card. It reminds me of a bit of a Sons at, um, at Chelsea the year, last year, maybe. Um <laughs> It's one of those where if they've decided it's intentional, then it's got to be a red, but it, uh, it was such a nothing incident, wasn't it? Um, but it was just a disaster for West Brom, really, considering their own goal early on. They did well to get back into it, and then once the red card happens, you're up against it. I think Palace for a team who always struggle to score goals, and I think, as you say, if, if you're conceding five to Palace, it's, yeah. not, it's, it's, it's not good, is it? No, no, I am... Um... Speaking of which, Palace were another team whose uh, whose Twitter account I looked at this week when the team came out. Um, who's hot is Yaro Wiedeveld, who doesn't get anywhere near the team, but they all of them. And uh, who's not hot is um, Milivojevic, who they all hate for some reason. Um, Presumably <laughs> because they don't get penalties anymore, um, which obviously helped his stats considerably when, when that was happening. Um, and Roy Hodgson, really not liked, which is a surprise, considering he's... Uh, you know, kept them as a stable Premier League club for the best part of four years now. So, <laughs> yeah, so I there mean, you go. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not Hodges' biggest fan, so I'm, I'm, I've got, a, I've got a soft spot for the Palace fans there. But you know, you, you can't not commend the job he's done for them. Um, and I mean, I was listening to another podcast this week, and the the, the gentleman who also was saying that even if Palace, you know, choose another. More, maybe even a more attacking-minded manager, you know, down the line, he should be looking to keep Hodgson on as some sort of role, just because of like how long he's been involved in the game, he must just be a great, you know, mind just to have around the club and even in the upper echelons and the not obviously board level, but even just a I don't even I don't even know what kind of role, you know, you obviously don't want a, a making up role, but. I just think he must be such a, a good hand to have, especially if they go down a, a young manager group. Yeah, I think it's always a bit of a weird one, isn't it? When, you, when you've been there and you get moved out, it's almost like the new manager can't do his own thing until sort of the, the, yeah. the old one's been moved on. But um, I mean, without being disrespectful to Roy, there's going to come a time in the next couple of years where he's probably going to have to decide to walk away. Um He's not exactly a spring chicken, but I, I think he's done a hell of a job for them, to be quite honest with you. Considering when, when he took them over, they were marooned at the bottom of the table, were they not? And uh, he obviously kept kept them up and 
haven't even really come close to being relegated since then. I mean, granted, they haven't, you know, they haven't challenged for Europe or anything like that, but they're never going to. Like, it's just, they never have. It's just not what Palace yeah. do. Is it? <laughs> Do you know, he's and he's built a he's built a fairly solid, decent team as well. I mean, yeah, he's got he's got the best out of Zaha. Let's be honest. In the last few years, um, I, I really like that easy that they've signed. He looks quite a quite a talent. Um, Klein and Van Hal, Van Anholt are, are solid enough fullbacks. Um, I just think they're just a. I just like they're they're, they're never going to push for Europe. Um, they're never going to put in a decent cup run. They don't care enough, but they're just that twelve to fifteen at the very lowest kind of kind of team, and they're never going to struggle. You know, they get their points total and kind of just right. That's a stun for the season. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. They're just steady, and uh, I think they always improve this this squad um, very gently, like very gradually. Like they 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 don't go out and spend, you know. 20s and 30 millions on players that just pick up players here and there that make them better than what they've already got. No, that, that is completely fair. Um, I mean, we'll move on from that demolition. I mean, West Brom are, are in serious trouble. Uh, we'll go on to a team who... <laughs> Can we just say the relegated? Dave, you tried to defend them last week slightly. Um, but now, <laughs> we're still on that one point, Mark. And Leicester City 2, Sheffield United 1. We're now talking 11 games in, 13 goal, minus 13 goal difference, 1 point, 5 points off 18, 6 points off Fulham in 17th. Um, It's not looking good for Sheffield United. It's not, and this is the type of thing that happens when you go, yeah, that's... That's them relegated. Um, when when you concede and then last minute having them played all right, they weren't. It's not like they're playing tragically. They they, they played all right for a bit here, but it's, it's kind of like one thing after another, isn't it? So you're kind of just starting to get that that sinking feeling for them. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, Simon, did you see much of this? Um, I just saw the highlights of this one. Um. Yeah, I think we've kind of we've said we've been saying it every week now about Sheffield United. I mean, where you just you just don't see where the goals are, are coming from. Um, but even they kind of like that 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 goal that Vardy scores at the end. I I know you're going to get sent off, but that defense oh, just take you, him out. You've take, got to. Why would you not? I don't. I can't believe he didn't. Like, like I, I mean, even that it, it just seems. I don't know. Is that a lack of being, you know, not being streetwise, or just uh, not having like a bit of fight about you. Like I'm not well, advocating that you go around just kicking and deliberately fouling, but in that situation, no, you cannot 100%. let Vardy go through like that. A thousand percent. And what I what I like most about it is that he, he held his hands up as if to say like I haven't fouled him, as if like. <laughs> I feel like surely, surely, like your, your best case now is you try and do it slyly so it doesn't look like it. You don't like actively say I'm not fouling you. Like, yeah, oh, um, I was just very, very naive. I, I, that, that's it. Yeah, it's naive exactly. I mean, I'm sure Chris Wilder, if if uh, if if he does that and they get a point, he's not going to. He won't be fining him a, a couple of weeks' wages for getting the red cards. He'll be shaking his hands for getting another uh, point. Oh, 100 percent. What? What annoys me the most is if you watch Man City play, probably not so much these days, but when, when Fernandinho was at his very best, Man City would press 
so high up the field. As soon as they lost the ball, Fernandinho fouls a man 20 yards outside their box. Nowhere near the goal, and he never got booked for it because he was so far away from goal. And it's just that, obviously not exactly the same scenario, but that streetwise um, capability to know, right, I'm going to foul him here. It's going to stop the counter-attack, and that's it done. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of teams who, who don't do that. We never do it. Like, it annoys me. Um, just recognising the danger, even when you're 40, 50 yards from goal, just take a yellow card. Like, all the good teams do it, if you watch it. Like, it's... Um, it's annoying, but I mean, when in that scenario, what 30 yards out, 20 yards out, just foul them, just take the red card at the last minute for God's sake. That's it. I, 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 the fact that it's, it's in the last minute, if that's with 20 minutes to go, you might say fair enough because there's still time to get back into it. You know full well Vardy's going through, you know he's going to score, and you know you're not going to get another one back, so just take that red card. Yeah, when you've scored three goals all season, the chance of you getting one in the last minute is pretty, pretty slim. Yeah. <laughs> I think even 10, 10, 20 minutes to go, I think you still take that red card. Um, that's the sort of thing that might just spur on your team. It might spur on. Yeah. Especially, especially there, you know, that last minute, they take the point there. And then, like that, I, okay, it's a point, but just having it's that something. Thing, yes. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, for me, I mean, you mentioned it at the start, like, why, like, why wouldn't you? It's, to me, it's a lack of they don't care. I mean, it, it sounds bad to say it about like professional footballers, but that's the only reason you can think of in a situation like that. You know, if, if a team doesn't do it, um, as you've mentioned, Dave, like your team doesn't do it, um, that's fine. But I'm pretty sure if it's the 90th minute, you know, and Shelby is back one on one, Shelby's going to punch the guy in the face before <laughs> letting him go. <laughs> Um, that might be more on Shelby's mentality in general, but like that, that is unacceptable. And like for for Chris Wilder, he must have. I mean, you've seen him at the end when Vardy's celebrating. You know, he's down on his knees. Mm. He must be thinking about that player. Like he might not get fined and suspended, but I might fine and suspend you for for not doing it. Um, <laughs> it's it's inexcusable. That I mean, as you say, I mean. You could forgive him. I would. I'd still be annoyed if it was my team. If he does it with 10, 15, 20 minutes to go, but to not do it in the last minute of the game, and that's yeah. you mentioned, Dave. Like he's holding his hands up, like he's done good. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can understand. You know, if they've got a top goalkeeper and there's a chance of him saving it, you know, like Dean Henderson's forum last season. Right, fair enough. Ramsdale yeah. hasn't covered himself in glory this season. Like the whole team hasn't. Just, just get on with it. Just, it's just, yeah. I, just, I mean, can, can any of you see them surviving at all? I mean, I know we've got a long way to go, but uh, I, I, I personally don't. But then you kind of, you, you said that there are only six points off for them. In seventeenth, which you kind of part of you thinks that's that's two games they can eke a win from somewhere maybe. But I'm just looking at their next few fixtures. They've got Southampton away, uh, Man U at home, Brighton away, Everton home, Burnley away before the end of December. Yeah, I don't. You look at those fixtures, and I couldn't honestly say that I'd see them picking up a, a single point in any of them at the moment. I think Brighton, Burnley away, two games there, they'll probably have 
earmarked for um I think if they, if they lose to both of those teams, they're both down there with them. Uh, yeah. I think that's obviously looking pretty bleak for them. But any other season, you'd say ah, they're looking a bit knackered. But this season, the results have been all over the place, haven't they? I mean, it was only a few weeks ago we were saying Fulham were dead and buried. We never thought in a million years they'd go to Leicester and win. Yeah. But they did. Um, and there's no reason why Sheffield United can't go and find a win from somewhere. Um, I say it's, it's that kind of season isn't it, where results are popping up all over the place. That happened for them so far. Um, yeah. But if they went to Brighton and won one nil, I wouldn't be, you know, bowled over. I, 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 it can certainly happen. I, I, I think it's not. I don't know if you, you can necessarily say, oh, they're definitely down. But I think what I would say is, for me, it's definitely three of those bottom four that are going to go. I, I wouldn't. I don't see anyone else getting dragged into that. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's probably fair. Brighton, uh, we say this about Brighton every week, don't we? They, they, don't, they, they don't win games, but they, they, they play quite nice football. I mean, obviously, we'll come on to their game tonight in, in a short while, but um, once again, they've come away with nothing, haven't taken the lead and look quite comfortable for a time. Um, it's just, it's a strange one. Isn't it? if, you were, if you were Graham Potter, you wouldn't know what to do because they're, yeah. they're not playing badly, like by any means, they just kind of win. Except against Villa, unfortunately for you. Yeah. <laughs> and us, so I mean, you know. <laughs> but then I, I think what the one positive that they would take is they are playing well, whereas at least like the, the other four, you, you can't say that they've consistently played well. So if you're at least playing well, that's going to give you more of a chance of getting a, at least a few more wins, whereas you know that, that bottom floor four haven't played well all season. I mean, in, in fairness to Fulham, though, like Fulham, like that that missed penalty um, should have been a point extra. Um, I think I think I looked at games that you know stupid stupid like the penalty misses or uh, just wrong decisions going against them. I mean, they could have had an extra four point. I mean, could have obviously could have could have should have would have whatever. But I mean, Fulham have looked atrocious in, in certain games. Um, just you know those little decisions that could have just gone. I mean, I guess mm. we say the thing about Sheffield United with that point tonight again, looking at you know looking at it that way. But um, I think you're still right. I think three of the bottom four. I, I do still worry about Brighton, as you say, Dave. We'll come on to that tonight. And we'll speak to them, speak about that more. Um, Potter must be frustrated, but yeah, I mean, we'll 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 praise Leicester City for that. Well, I'll let you guys do. It. I'm not doing it. Um, <laughs> but that is, a, that is another good win keeps them in the top four um, I mean not flattering by any means but probably what they needed after the last the last few weeks I mean they're three points off the top it's uh, I know we kind of get down on Leicester but if they beat Fulham they'd be joined top yeah. that's wild <laughs> yeah especially when you think the money because they, ha- they have a really good 11 I think where we're Leicester will falter compared to the the other teams we discuss up there is just the squad, isn't it? The, the backup options. Yeah, if, if Vardy is out for long periods, then they haven't really got a, any sort of adequate replacement, have they? I mean, I natural cost him a fortune, but he's never really got anywhere near, um, you know, mm. looking value for money. But the, um, he's okay, but he's, no, he's nowhere near Vardy's level. Like Vardy yeah. 
I think it's actually got the point now where we don't give Vardy enough credit as a as a as a as a country. Like I think he's yeah he's been so good for what must be what three, four, five seasons now and consistently good. Um and he's just alive. He gets so few touches so few touches in a game, but every every time he does touch it it's very, very positive. It's um it's it's quite remarkable really. Do you know, it's it's funny you say that because actually when I was watching the highlights of that game and, and you know watched him score that goal at the end, I actually thought to myself, do you know what? I don't think Vardy gets enough credit. <laughs> I, I think you could make a case that over the last four or five years, he's been the best striker in the Premier League over that time period. I, I think there's a strong argument for that. Well, you think he hasn't played necessarily in the best teams in that time. I know Leicester have won the league, but... So that was definitely a one-off. You know, they haven't, yeah, re- you know, they haven't really been in the, in the, even the Champions League places very often. Um, I know they had a good run that last season, but generally they've been a kind of mid-table club. And Vardy's just always been uh, near the top of the scoring charts during that time. Yeah, but when you see him run through in a game or like a chance falls to him, you just expect him to stick it away, don't you? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I get the same thing with him as I do with, with Kane, where they get the chance that they, they're going to score. Um, and we, you know, Harry Kane gets spoke about as though he's the second coming of Christ in this country. And, and, and you know, <laughs> he is very, very good, but I, I feel Vardy is every bit as lethal as he is. Yeah, and his movements as well. That for, the, for the age, he, he, not that he's ancient, you know, he's only he's sort of early 30s, but to still have that pace. And it's the cleverness of his movement. I don't think. He gets. I don't think he's credited enough for how clever his runs are in and around the box as well. Yeah, no, that's very true. Well, on the on the subject of um, Sir Harold Kane, uh, um, <laughs> uh, Jose Jose Mourinho masterclass in this game, where Spurs literally toyed with Arsenal in this game for ninety minutes. Like Arsenal fans were actually praising Arsenal in this game, which is to me. I mean, I watched this. I, I, hope, I hope you guys watched this as well. Okay, like, yeah. Spurs genuinely just let Arsenal have the ball because they know they are useless. It wasn't that Arsenal <laughs> were any better. Like, like they just—you have the ball. We know you're going to mess up. We'll get the ball. We'll go up the park and score. Spurs had four shots on target. Four shots in this game. Three on target. Two mm-hmm. goals. One off target. They only had thirty percent possession. Arsenal had nine shots. Only two on target. I don't think Lloris made a. Like a threatening save, like and both Spurs goals literally came from yes, great counter attack, but because Arsenal are useless, we mentioned it in the group chat and we mention this every week, and I'm going to get it in there now just so we can move on from it. We have no creative players yet. There's a three hundred and fifty thousand pound player <laughs> not registered in this squad who is arguably one of the most creative players that football has seen in our lifetime. Well, I'm not, I don't want to speak about Arsenal though, because they are so bad. I mean, this. I mean, you mentioned Dave how how much praise Harry Kane gets. Um, this season, Harry Kane deserves every bit of praise we gave him. I have been his biggest kick because I, I think he's vastly overrated um, the way he's been spoken about the last few years. Um, but his overall play this season uh, and his link up with Son, who might be still their best player, I think, Son. It's phenomenal. I mean, thoughts on this game, Dave? Yeah, well, firstly, as you say, Mourinho is perfect at getting other teams to do what he wants them to do, um, which in this case, as you say, was give them the ball and 
almost say to them, oh, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of here. And then as soon as they overcommit, they just get absolutely, you know, done on the counter twice. It's, uh, we talked about naivety earlier, like the fact that teams and good, supposedly good teams still fall for this is, is remarkable, really. But um, if you look at uh, Chelsea last week, Lampard, who I know isn't massively loved in our podcast circle, but he didn't fall for it. And yes, it was a terrible game because that's to Jose nil nil is as good as a win in the in the big games. Arteta didn't didn't get that whatsoever. He thought, ah, we'll we'll just we'll just go and have a go. We'll we'll go and win. Um, and obviously they didn't. They got picked off, and they can have seventy percent of the ball all they want. They can have whatever shots they had. They didn't really look like scoring from what I saw. I did. I didn't think. Nope. At any point they had a lot of territory, but they never really threatened the goal. I know like, Larice made one fairly decent-ish save from Lacazette. I think it was a header. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But. That's where Arsenal are now. When you go back to to the Wenger days, and they had lots of players who had a lot of potential to be good, um, and the difference was when they played at home to terrible teams, they turned them over three nil, and then they lost in the big games three nil. And now Arsenal lose every game three nil. So yeah. they've gone so far backwards, and they sit fifteenth, and it doesn't um, that almost flatters them. Like I'm surprised they've got thirteen points. Because they they have unravelled so badly, um, what Arteta's done is he's basically set them up. To, so is this someone set them right? You can't. You haven't been able to beat any of the top six. So what we want to do is find a way to beat the top six teams. So he's changed their entire style of play. They've got absolutely no creativity. They should be more solid, and they were for a little bit. Um, and now they can compete in the, in the big games, but they can't beat anybody else. And when that plan backfires like it did yesterday they just look like an absolute shambles um, uh, from last week to this week my opinion hasn't changed on them particularly they're, they're in they're obviously not in trouble because they won't go down but they they are staring down a bottom half finish unless something changes I mean like we say they won't go down and, and they won't um, but, but now <laughs> bear with me this Arsenal team now, say if the league was at a normal standard, you know, with okay, you always get one bad team in the league, but the rest are normally quite competitive in a way that they, they beat what's around them to pick up, you know, a decent amount of points. This Arsenal team would struggle in a normal season. I, I genuinely believe that. It just so happens that we have four teams who don't like getting points. <laughs> well, I tell you what, if they got their wish that the other, you know, supposedly big six club ones of reducing the league to eighteen teams, then there'd be no spot to bother, wouldn't there? That'd be funny. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I say I don't think we'll go anywhere near getting relegated because there's there's too much dross in the league for them to to, to fall foul of it. But um, I mean, I'm obviously very down on them. Not not as bad as Burnley yet, but I, I just they've gone from being that team everyone loves to watch. Kind of like to me, they were always the yeah. of the top six. They were the team who I didn't mind if they won because they played nice football and it was it was fairly inoffensive. Um, whereas now there's absolutely nothing left of that. There's nothing I like about them whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I think you're about the same age as me, Dave. So I mean, we grew up watching, you know, the the one nil to the Arsenal. Um, to them watching Arsenal Wenger's, you know, beautiful attack. So they could defend, then they could attack. Now they can't do either. So they are, you know, they are on par. Like, I mean, I'd say you're much lower in Burnley than me, but they're, to me, they're like Stoke without the long balls. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> at, least had... at least Stoke and Burnley have a, a style of play where you'd say they're direct, they'll get the ball in the box and they'll cause problems yeah. that way. What is Arsenal's style of play? Because I don't know. Like I generally don't. Like they, they, If they play wing-backs, they don't exactly use the width of the field and get balls in the box. So that doesn't work. Yeah. The, the tactic seems to be get Aubameyang in that left channel and hope he can cut it on his right and shoot. And if that, if that backfires or doesn't work, they have got absolutely nothing else in the in the in the tank whatsoever. I think I read a stat yesterday though that Arsenal had sixty six crosses. Yeah, no, fifty six crosses yesterday. Who who's their big attacking threat? Can I can I ask? Like, have they got have they signed Andy Carroll on loan? <laughs> you guys do? Uh, that I'd, that that I'd like to see. You know this 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 reminds me of the time that Liverpool signed like you know Stuart Downing and. And players of that ilk to cross the ball to to Luis Suarez, oh, you know it's. I, I mean, I don't. I just don't understand how Arteta is even getting away with how bad Arsenal are here. Like, I don't hear enough criticism of them. Well, again, Twitter, great time to see what people think about people. Arteta seems to be getting let off because people seem quite happy to blame Arsenal's board for the players they've signed. Particularly, Willian gets basically. Attributed to being a board signing rather than an Arteta signing, um, but that's always the way, isn't it? Like the players who don't work out are yeah. someone else's fault, and the players who do work out, well, they'll be Arteta's fine. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's one of those, isn't it, where like Arteta's been around the Premier League for an awful long time, but this is his first managerial job, and it's kind of looking more apparent by the week that it's it's too early and too soon from. Sorry about that, I don't know what disconnected there. <laughs> no. I, thought uh, I thought you were stunned by... <laughs> <laughs> stunned by the, the Arsenal revolution. I mean, Simon, what, I mean, what's your thoughts before me and Dave continue this for another hour? Um, with Arteta, my biggest worry, again, is exactly the same after the Wolves game last week. It was his post-match interview where he seemed to be relatively happy with with how Arsenal played and performed. I was watching that game. Like, for as well, kind of as you guys have said, for all their possession, they never in a million years looked like scoring. It, it, they, their style of play seems to be get it out wide and put crosses in, but as you say, to who? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know who they're expecting to get on the end of these. Um, but also, it's, like the whole Mesut Ozil thing is obviously looking more ridiculous, you know, as each game goes on. Especially when I, I read a great stat uh, earlier today that since the start of October they've had more foul throws than they have scored goals, which I, <laughs> that did re- that wow. tickle me quite a bit. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, even if Mesut Ozil suddenly comes back in, that doesn't solve how bad they are defensively. I mean, I was watching them. Um, I don't know if any of you guys saw Monday Night Football earlier today. Um, Carragher was doing like a little bit uh, on the Arsenal-Tottenham game. And they were, say, they were showing with, I think it was both goals, Hector Bellerin is absolutely breaking his neck to try and get into the uh, Tottenham box. But as soon as Tottenham break, he's just jogging back. Now, 
I, but what the biggest surprise for me was that they seemed surprised at Bellerin doing that. I've never, ever, ever rated <laughs> yeah. him as a defender. For me, he's always been shit at defending. <laughs> so, so I don't know where the great shots come from there. But, you know, the, at the start of the season, people kind of... I think everyone was fooled into thinking that he'd sorted their defensive issues out because I think maybe they kept two or three clean sheets at the start of the season. But as I say, bringing Ozil would help with creating something because it would be nice to have a creative player in that team. But it, it's how bad they are defending as well. Real, real problems. Like you guys have said, I don't, I don't see them going down. And I think they'll be you know, relatively comfortable, but purely because there's about three or four truly atrocious teams in, that, in the league. But I agree what you said, Ali, in... in in any other more more competitive season, it's hard to be getting a bit worried about them because you look at their squads and I don't think there's that, there's hardly any good like actually good Premier League players in there. I think you've got a Bamiyang when well Bamiyang from last season was, but this year he's done nothing. And you look at the rest, and at best the majority of them are just bang average players. That's it. They've got the perfect mix of players who are over the hill and players who aren't quite up the hill yet. So. You know, there's, there's some players in there who may well turn out to be very, very good players, but right now I don't think they are. Mm. Um, and then, as I say, you've got you like Azetz, who's I think he had a bit of form when he first joined about three years ago, and it seems seems to be downhill ever since. And Jacques to that, who's just a, he's a lunatic. I don't oh, know, he's just terrible. Bellerin's passed it now. Uh, obviously, that ACL hasn't helped, but as you say, he's never really been good defender. As he, he always his pace seemed to get him out of trouble a lot of the time. Um, a whole host of terrible centre-halves. Um, it's it's a mess. It really is a mess. I, I, I don't know where they go from here because, sadly for them, they don't play Burnley. Oh, wait, they do play Burnley this weekend. So, <laughs> there you go. Three points on the board this weekend. That that has got nil-nil written all over it. <laughs> I mean, Simon, you mentioned Arteta's, you know, positivity in his post-match speech. I screenshotted one tweet from the Arsenal comments about the game on sun- Sunday, yeah. Arsenal completely dominant in terms of possession and attacking purpose. Attacking purpose. And <laughs> what the hell is that? Spurs, two attacks, two goals. Shocking. I'm sorry, attacking purpose. What is that meant to mean? <laughs> what, what attack? Arsenal have had no attacking purpose all season. Never mind yeah. uh, it's, I think what, what summed up actually really well was um, Mourinho's interview afterwards when he, he kind of said, you know, we, we didn't really come out in the second half and try to attack too much because why bother? The game's won. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you would say about Tottenham is though that Mourinho has absolutely done his, done his magic on them because... He's made Eric Dyer look competent. Um, obviously, him and Alderweireld look fairly solid. And in front of them two, um, Hoiberg and Sissoko, it's just like having four centre-backs. Like, <laughs> it, it is yeah. a wall to break down. Um, He's turned Aurier into a defender as well. Well, yeah. Aurier looks good. Regulon looks brilliant at left-back. He basically plays left-back and left-wing at the same time. Like he just, yeah. he's, uh, he's remarkable. Um, but like I say, he's changed Kane's game around to be... You know, he's probably added three, three or four years on Kane's career at the top because he, he'll just get deeper and deeper as, as, as the years go on. Um, 
How good I mean, is Kane defensively as well for them? Oh, I mean, he's again another Mourinho yeah. wet dream, is it? They've got, he's yeah. got an extra player in the box to, who defends every set piece. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, uh, it's ridiculous, really. Like, it's the fair play to the players as well because they have bought him. I mean, Spurs were soft. I mean, well known for being such a soft, mentally weak team. Um, always been quite fun attacking, but they have bought in the last year. Um, to the Mourinho way um, and they just do what's needed and and this is what makes me worry about Spurs this season is they're they're just doing enough in games so they're not like overexerting themselves either mm. you know they're not going 100 miles an hour for 90 minutes and tiring themselves out and for Kane especially that's going to be huge well this is it like I think was it yesterday Kane had more touches in his own penalty area than the oppositions that's right yeah but you know, they've won 2 0, he's got his goal. They couldn't be happier. And I think part of it will be down to obviously they're playing Thursday, Sunday at the minute. Um, yeah. And they're probably just adapting themselves to play that way. Um, if I was a Tottenham fan now, I'd be, I'd be chuffed a bit because everything is, this is probably as good as they're going to get for them. If they don't <laughs> win it this year, they probably never will. I mean, um, it's scary that Spurs fans still want somebody new out. Why would you? Like, all, yeah. all this has proved is that at Man United, had he been given the players he wanted, he would have probably still been there now and they'd be a lot better off. He's gone to Tottenham. They've obviously said you haven't got you know, a blank checkbook, but if you tell us who you want, we'll do our best to manoeuvre them in for you. And he's gone and got Hoybjerg from Southampton, who, all right, school at Bayern Munich, good player. Um, he's transformed the way they play completely. Um, he's made Kane a better player. He's made Son a better player. They've got, who else has he signed? Um, Bergwijn from PSV, decent yep. player. He's all, right. He's all right. Regulon, like I say, outstanding. You know, he, he is Premier League ready player who they've got from the Liga, which doesn't always happen. Sometimes they take a bit of time to bed in. Um, but he's he's just improved players all over the shop. Um, and the how anyone could want rid of him, I don't know. Um, they must want, I mean, what do they want? <laughs> well, they had the fancy play in Pochettino but couldn't win anything. Surely winning is more important than playing nice football. Well, uh, all you've got to do is watch the Amazon fly on the wall documentary about them. And it was even apparent last season when they, obviously we were still trying to get his, his stamp on them. Yeah. Every other game he said, you need to be bastards. You need to be, you need to have that winning mentality. Yeah. And they didn't have it then. And now I think they're slowly getting it. And whether it's Harry Kane defending his own box for 89 or 90 minutes or whatever else goes on, like, They've just, as Sai says, they've bought into what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, next I'm, I mean, it's a perfect segue on the next game, but next Wednesday is going to be massive, um, and it's it's so exciting to watch. Um, I mean, it could turn out to be one of those very dull games because Josie might Josie it, but that's exactly <laughs> what we to do. Um, so we will segue onto that Liverpool home which just seems standard. Liverpool at home, three points. Um, 4 0 well against Wolves. Uh, just as we were praising Wolves last week, um, Salah with the opener. Uh, Ronaldo, Matip, and uh, an own goal. That's Mo Salah equals Ronaldo's goal tally. Um, 65 games less. Um, he's been an incredible signing for us. Uh, Simon, thoughts on this game? Um, very, very comfortable. Uh, good performance from Liverpool again. Was um, I was 
I'm not surprised that Liverpool won. I was surprised at, at how comfortable it ended because, as you say, Wolves seem to have sort of, um, you know, picked up a bit of form the last few weeks. But then, then again, they, they did only beat Arsenal last week and we may have just got carried away because it was, <laughs> you know, they may as well have just beaten Burnley last week going into this game. Um, but the uh, no, Liverpool, are, are, to be fair, they... they, they Despite having any, you know, these injury concerns at the back, Wolves never really looked like they caused them any problems. Um, the opening goal, poor mistake from Conor Cody, but I think the the quickness of thought from Salah to to get across and capitalise on that, you, I you know, I, I think it's you, you could try, you could just look at that and say that's an error from Cody, but I I kind of like to look at it and go actually that's just really really clever play from Mo Salah to get that goal, and then even um, the second goal, one Alden's goal, lovely finish, but again Salah and Mane they both make such clever runs just to draw the defenders away to give Van Alden that space to run into and, and stick it away, um, and then you know I've seen Salah whips in. <laughs> Absolute beauty for Matty. You could argue, should a defender be having a free header four yards out in the centre of the box? Probably not. Um, but no, outstanding performance in Liverpool. I think the the last couple of weeks, uh, the uh, the win against Leicester and this win against Wolves, you know, two two games you'd, you'd expect Liverpool to win, but you'd maybe expect the opposition to given a bit more, especially considering the injuries that Liverpool were contented with. So I think it's just kind of really stamped their authority back again. That like you you know, we we're defending champions for a reason. Yeah. Fulham next week, Spurs on Wednesday, Palace away after that, West Brom and then then your Newcastle to end the year, Dave. Um nice run of fixtures for, for ourselves going into the the transfer window, um, things can only be looking up for us just now, can't they? Yeah, I've been surprised at how well you've coped with the defensive crisis, whatever you want to call it. But as I think, as you mentioned earlier on, Fabinho is not only one of the best defensive midfielders in the league, he's probably one of the best centre halves as well. Um, when you think he went up against Traore times yesterday, he's just no problems, just dealt with it all, didn't he? Um, Matip's looked better than he ever has done as well. Um, I think he's looked a little bit shaky at times, even alongside Van Dijk, um, but no signs of that whatsoever. So even Kelleher, the keeper, who um, I hadn't really heard much about until he played midweek, he looks twice the cool keeper Adri does. Um, so, as you say, everything, everything at the minute is just touching and turning to gold for Liverpool, um, which has been the case for a while now. Yeah, no, um, it's been... I mean, if you take away the, the seven goals that we conceded to Villa, um, say we even lost that game 3 or 4-2, this defensive record that, that's supposedly atrocious is looking, you know, pr- pretty good, considering we, we, at one stage, our whole back four was injured. Um, back, back five, if you include our goalkeeper. Um, I think if we can just get through those fixtures... Um, I, I'd be very surprised if we lose to Fulham. Um, take, take the point to Spurs. Um, Crystal Palace. 
you know, we stopped Zaha. I think you stopped Palace. I think we all agree on that one. Um, West Brom, if they stop our attack when they can't stop Benteke, wow. Um, <laughs> I, I, I still always fear Newcastle, but without no, fans, I don't, if that makes sense. No, I, I, I always do just because of the fan aspect, how they can raise a team. Um, but because there's no fans there, because it's Steve Bruce. Yeah, I can category tell you you'd be fine. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, yeah, I just think things are looking good for us. Um, uh, I think we will strengthen in January. I mean, we'll come on to that nearer the time. We'll maybe even have a little transfer discussion for all the teams nearer the nearer the window. What who needs what? But um, yeah, I think the biggest thing Liverpool need to do just now is sort Ronaldo's contract. Um, just because we have no one else. <laughs> um, but players are starting to come back fit. It, is, it was a comfortable win. We're still joint top of the league. Um, and, yeah, I, things are things are looking good. Um, we'll move on to tonight's game, which I will be adamant I've only seen the highlight package. Um, but we, we did mention Brighton, Brighton lost 2-1 to Southampton with a, was it a late goal? Yeah, 81st-minute penalty to win it for Southampton. Um, controversy surrounding the penalty. I've, I've seen the replay. I, I don't get the controversy. I think it's a penalty. Um, but it does go on to what we've, we've all mentioned. You know, Brighton again played quite well according to the results and highlights and come away with no points. I mean, Dave, did you watch more of the game than me? Yeah, I, I had it on. I didn't have any sound, so I don't know what they were saying about the penalty and things, but... Um... Brighton started on fire. Um, they played very well to begin with, and then Southampton got the sort of sucker punch goal before half time with the head of McCorner, um, which again for a team of Brighton's size, generally you don't they shouldn't be shouldn't be conceding too many from set pieces. But here we are. So um, second half, though, as you say, that the penalty for me, I'm, I'm imagine obviously it was given as a free kick first and foremost, but they've overturned it to be a penalty. Um, I think the first contact is outside the box, but I don't really think that matters because I think Walker Peters stays up for a little bit and eventually gets knocked over when he's in the box. Um, so I think I agree with you. I think it is a penalty. Yeah, Simon? Um, yeah, on, on the penalty, 100% a penalty. Um, the initial contact, I think, is like sort of shoulder to shoulder was outside the box. I don't think that is even what sent him down. What happened was when they went into the box, the defender sort of goes to ground and, and takes Walker, Walker Peters out, uh, laughing their knees collide or something like that. When yeah, he's the back his leg, doesn't he? Yeah, so I, it, 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 as, yeah, Dave, you're right. It was given us a free kick initially. And uh, when I was watching it, I, I, in real time, I thought it's a penalty. But then so the free kick's given. So I was looking at it again. And you saw the initial contact outside the box, but then it, it clearly continued in. But the commentators were absolutely gobsmacked that it was overturned and given us a penalty, which I was really surprised at. Because for me, I, I I don't even think there's a hint of controversy about it. It's, it's clearly a penalty. Um, there's, there's a good chance the commentators do not know the laws of the game, in fairness. <laughs> I mean, they only get paid thousands of pounds to talk about it. Why learn yeah. the laws? Yeah, but I mean, the the game itself, 
I, I think a draw would have been a fair result. Um, but it's kind of, it's as we've said time and time again, Brighton, you can't rule them out of the relegation battle be, purely because it seems they've virtually every week, except for when they bloody played us, that they can't buy a win without, despite playing well. But yeah, I don't, I really, I don't know what to make of Brighton, and I'm sure I, I think what you guys said earlier, Graham Potter probably doesn't know what to make of it or what to do because they're playing well every That's week, it. but I not feel winning. Like, I feel like they follow his plan like to the letter, and. I get the impression it's like a really, really thoroughly laid out plan. Like every single pass has been discussed before the game. Yeah. And they do it all. And somehow they still lose and he just goes, well, maybe it was this pass here. And then the next week they do exactly the same <laughs> thing, but they just change one slight thing and they still lose. And it's like, oh, right, back to the drawing board. Um, it's a, they're, they're an odd team, aren't they? Like, I think, I don't know, like, have we, have we, are we over-egging them? Because we all quite like what they're doing, but... Fundamentally, the most important thing is, is winning football matches, and they don't have that that yeah. instinct. Either. What I would say, and what a, a criticism we, we should and could throw at the manager of the board, we, I think we all kind of knew that they needed a goal scorer to help. Obviously, Mopey was good last season, but they needed an alternative, uh, even just a, more a goal scorer. And they signed Danny Welbeck. I don't think Welbeck's done bad there. I think I think he hasn't, but he's never been prolific. I just think if you wait so long, like there had to have been loans out there or or other strikers that they could have had that could have just been more of a difference maker. Um, I mean, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I just, I mean, Welbeck hasn't. He has. He's never been first choice for any team he's gone to. He can never stay fit, can he? Well, no. I think the the the, the way they play him, which is like kind of one of the two off a main striker, yeah, um, suits him quite well. Um, unfortunately for them, Mope, who they've kind of hung their hat on as their goal scorer, seems to have had some problems, both with injuries and attitude, by the sound of things. Um, the young lad Connolly is. Um, very raw, but I quite like him. But uh, I don't think he's really a number nine as such. I think he's, again, quite similar to Welbeck, really. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've kind of got a lot of, um, what do you call them, nine and a halfs, where they're, yeah. you know, they're up there, but they're not 20 goals a season, which, to be fair, down the, down, down the bottom end of the table, there probably won't be many who get anywhere near 20, but um, it seems to be more pay or nothing, doesn't it, for goals? Yeah. Um, I mean, on, on Southampton... Another great victory for them. Um, I mean, good to see Danny Ings back. Um, I know the goal was a penalty, but another goal for him notching up. Um, six in the table. It's just just looking like a really good season for them this year, isn't it? Well, we'll get, we'll get wrong off the Pompey boys again in the chat, but uh, um, they're, um, what are they, the fifth 20 points? Like... It's it's pretty good. I mean, what you would say is that their fixtures have been quite kind. Um, yeah, they, they, they've had a one of the kinder starts, but they've got after Sheffield United next weekend, they've got Arsenal away and Man City at home. Um, I, mean, I mean, Arsenal away they almost start as favourites for me. <laughs> the way that the way yeah. the both, both teams are going, um, and then after that they were Fulham and West Ham, so they, they they could be in that top six over over Christmas quite easily. Yeah, I mean, you'd imagine. I mean, that's fifteen points there. 
like available, you'd be very surprised if they don't hit double figures. I mean, like we 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 kind of joked that they'd be favourite against. I'd, I'd be disappointed if I was Southampton and I didn't take three points there. Um, I mean, Danny Ings against that defence. Well, that's uh, it. I mean, the Man City game, obviously, you don't... I, mean, I think, realistically, I don't think anybody goes to Man City or Man City comes to them, obviously, and and you expect points. I mean, you, you, any's a bonus. I mean, and that goes for a lot of the top teams as well. So, forgetting them, um, West Ham, obviously, will be a bit of, bit of a tough one. Just, But, again, Southampton, the way they can play, um, they, they really are a threat to, to most teams. They are, and I think they're also better away from home than they are at home, just because of yep. the way they're set up. Um, again, they've got very little to complain about. They, 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 they're probably high up the tail, and they, even the most optimistic of Saints fans could expect to be. So, um, fair play to them. Um, let's just see what, what if I was them, I'd just be saying, let's just see how far we can go. Let's not, let's not worry about it for now, and just keep keep winning football matches. No, I, I agree. No targets. Just yeah, just mm. collect as many points as you can and, and keep playing the football they're playing, you know, like they've another team who's bought into the to the manager's way of thinking. Um even after that, obviously we, we keep mentioning the nine 0 loss last season. Um <laughs> that really was such a pivotal moment in that club from there. I mean, since then I, I it'd be interesting to see if you did a table from then to now, like how well they would have done in the table because they must be right up there. Oh, they must yeah. be. Yeah. I think what they've got as well going in their favour, which probably quite a few teams don't have. So, they say, for example, you look at maybe someone like a Burnley and you say their route to goals is set pieces, they're strong there. With Southampton, they. They play like they play quite a good brand of football, which creates goals for Danny Ings, you know, getting on the end of things. But in Ward Prowse as well, they've got such a weapon from set piece, not only direct free kicks, but whipping balls into the box. Like you were saying earlier, Dave, that you, you wouldn't you look at the size of the Brighton team, you wouldn't expect them to be considering goals from set pieces. That ball in, like it's oh, almost impossible to defend. Yeah, and Investigards must be six yeah. foot five or six of them, is he? He's a big lad anyway, so um yeah, I, I guess he's hard to defend against. But you're quite right, this course this they can hit you in many different ways, can't they? They can score yeah. all, all sorts of goals. Um I just like the way they're set up. There's not many teams play with two strikers anymore and obviously they do. Um and they do and they do it very well. Simon, just quickly two or three yeah. times I've caught you tonight. You're awfully negative on Burnley just now. I'm not liking this. You make them this one night. That's the, the, the slagging Burnley off is Dave's corner. Don't you tag him as well. I, I, like, I like Sean Dykes, but I can only go on what I see. And I, I'm really, really struggling to see anything at the moment this season. Uh, uh, I think Sean, Sean Dykes needs a clip for his comments this week, by the way. Where, I don't know if you saw this on match of the day. Well, I saw I saw the match of the day where he said that he should have had a free kick in the build in the build up to, to Everton's uh, goal because he oh, asked yeah. us with got a little tap on the back. Oh bless. <laughs> I, I I I thought that was fairly for a manager who's been so outspoken about how much he hates players going down easily. Have a have a word with Ashley there because that, that was pathetic. They, to try and claim a free kick from that is nonsense. 
oh, it's just one rule for one, one rule for him, and he's, he's all very well fighting the good fights, and you know he doesn't like diving and all this kind of stuff, but he um, he just seems to have this 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 feeling that uh, he's the he's been hard done to, and it, I just don't think it's the case at all. I think if if you pull up every every little thing that's a foul, Bernie probably wouldn't score a goal because everything's physical. <laughs> Ashley Barnes stop. wouldn't finish a game. Stop. <laughs> Dave, Dave, behave yourself or you'll get blamed. Right. <laughs> on that note, we will end the show there. Thank you very much for joining me. Simon, tell the fantastic listeners where to find you. Uh, on Twitter, at Sayo Regan. And Dave, yourself, website and future podcast. Uh, so the Twitter is at Sam9798. Um, the next Champman pod will be out. I think we're going to aim for after Christmas, but it'll be between Christmas and New Year. We're going to do a, an end of year quiz. Um, just, need the, just need to find the time to write said questions. But yes, <laughs> that's the plan. We need more. We need more quiz, quizzes on podcasts, Chris. Get less <laughs> minutes. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Ali Thompson. 84 I think um, but most importantly you can get the podcast at Man of the Post on all your social media channels um, give us a 5 star rating and review if you're on Apple Podcasts and um, we are on everyone but you should be listening on Apple because they're the best um, but yeah thank you very much gentlemen for, for joining me to cover this weekend's fixtures cheers Ali yeah nice one thanks lads and always remember to keep your Man of the Post